my goal with coaching is to be the person that I needed desperately. I had no idea that there was a whole other life out there just on the other side of that fear of letting go. I'm glad you brought that up because gratitude is one of the most important factors in a fulfilling life. To be able to express gratitude, especially when times are tough, to be able to see beyond your immediate struggle to the fact that you're alive, people love you, you're already ahead of the game. There's so much to be grateful. Anybody can just stop drinking because it's just liquid in a glass or a bottle that you can put down, right? But recovery happens when you embrace life again and all of the possibilities that are within it. Welcome to the Collaborative Resource Hub by Wellness Provisions. We're bridging the gap between mental health, wellness, and rock and roll. I'm Amy McBride, owner of Wellness Provisions, the most badass wellness business. Hey, are you feeling a little stuck in life? I offer wellness coaching sessions. Book a session with me if you're seeking to get healthy and ahead. Sessions are available worldwide. And check this out. Wellness Provision supplies rock and rollers with high quality supplements. We've simplified your shopping experience and given you a trustworthy place to go where you can essentially shop blindfolded. And did you know, all our Collaborative Resource Hub interviews air on YouTube as well as all major podcast platforms. Subscribe to stay in the loop. Go immerse yourself in the full Collaborative Resource Hub experience over on our website. You'll have access to helpful resources that will inspire and educate you. So let's inspire each other. If that guy did it, so can you. Last but not least, my legal disclaimer, nothing in this interview or the Collaborative Resource Hub substitutes medical advice. Please connect with your GP if you need medical guidance. Zan from Gallant Coaching, how are you? I'm great, Amy, how are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing very well, thank you. Awesome, I'm happy to be here. A- thank you for being here. I'm excited, <laughs> I'm excited to talk to you because like, wellness provisions I follow your Instagram stuff and you do so much like physical like you know exercise and there's nature stuff so I'm excited to like get into all of this in our in our chat you have cool content that I love well thank you and I love your content as well and I love getting my zine every two months in the mail it's the one one piece of mail that I actually don't hate receiving (laughs) because it's not a bill right exactly (laughs) but it's great so thank you you're welcome. Um, all right. So you do, I guess, in short, personal development coaching with like an emphasis on um, recovery, mostly for men, right? Yeah, that's fair to say. Um, yeah, I do focus on on the recovery aspect, but that encompasses, you know, life recovery as well. And it's not just, you know, you can stop drinking. Anybody can just stop drinking because it's just liquid in a glass or a bottle that you can put down right but recovery happens when you embrace life again and all of the possibilities that are within it and I do tend to work with men Um, I do I have had female clients and I have one now as well but I feel that men are very underrepresented in the mental health space and the counseling slash coaching space and I really feel that men need to talk about their issues that's where the real change can happen so I try to be that ally for them yeah that's awesome Mm -hmm. so I guess my question first question is what from your life your history what led you to this to doing this why is this your calling um that's a great question how much time do we have (laughs) because I can go on for a long time about this um well I've led a pretty 
interesting life, we can say that. You know, I'm from a really small town, proudly from a really small town in the East Kootenays of Canada, right in the mountains. You know, I was a above average hockey player and that was my path to, if not become a professional, then have a career in hockey. But around high school time, that all changed when the triple threat discovery, I call it, of uh, blues women and rock and roll entered my life. Um, you know, I always loved music very much. I always had a soft spot and still do for my hair metal of my youth. <laughs> but uh, punk rock and metal came in at that time too. And all I wanted to do was party and, and be a rock and roller. And uh, so that was everything kind of changed. My, my dream of hockey kind of disappeared very fast. And when I started drinking, it very rapidly went into heavy drinking as a lot of people in high school experience. And I'm gonna try and keep this this wrap up short, but uh, after graduation, I was drifting. And so me and one of my best buddies drifted out to Vancouver, BC. We were young, we didn't have any stuff. We packed up everything we had in a car and pretty much drove to Vancouver, a place that I had been to once when I was a kid, but he had never been to. So we just kind of set out for adventure. A few years of drifting there and I ended up in London, England for five years, which was, uh, it's almost like that, chapter of my life up until then closed and then a brand new one began when I got on a plane to Europe yeah and that was the craziest times of my life dangerous levels of partying but it was so much fun I don't regret anything and uh you know I used to leave work on a Friday and show up on Monday morning in the same clothes hadn't slept hadn't showered hadn't eaten just with with eyes this big from the amount of substances that were ingested during this time so all of this kind of was there was a pattern in my life. I loved to party. I was very reckless. And then I had my son when was born when I was 28 years old, I think. And that kind of changed things for a little while. We moved back to Canada with my wife. And to make a long story very short, I, I got divorced. I got remarried, divorced again, all the while out of control partying. And to answer, to get back to your question, uh, my second wife left me and it destroyed me and it was largely due to alcohol and drug abuse and for about a year I descended into madness I was heartbroken for the first time ever in my life I was completely destroyed and you know this I was in so much pain <clears throat> I tried really hard to get her back it wouldn't work because I think she saw what her future was if she stayed with me the way that I was uh during this year I just it was a downward spiral I used to say there was a, just a black cloud that was following me you know I got a DUI I was admittedly a very shitty parent during this time because I was either hungover or partying. I had an addiction to prescription pills. I was on all kinds of antidepressants, but still binge drinking. Not a good idea. No. Um, as well as benzos to stop me from shaking from hangovers. Um, brutal insomnia. I would be up at four in the morning sending crazed emails to my ex-wife, trying to get her back and everything. All of this led to a, an extreme rock bottom, and that's where everything changed. And my, when I was saying about chapters being closed, um, actually, I believe this podcast is going to be airing on December 1st, and that will be my seven years of recovery. So December 1st, 2014 was the, the weekend before that I had hit complete rock bottom and woke up and knew that I had to change. So I started taking the steps to change. Since that time, there's been so much growth, so much changes have taken place. And so I want to share that with others that are struggling. My goal with coaching is to be the person that I needed desperately 10 years ago. Yeah. 
yeah, like what kind of things would have made a difference for you then if you had access to them or knew about them? Well, I didn't know that there was another way to live. I had no idea. I was 38 years old when I stopped drinking and using drugs. And I had no idea that there was another way to live. <clears throat> One thing I talk a lot about in coaching is identity. And my identity was set in stone. I remember my ex-wife saying to me, like, de- like almost pleading, like, we need to stop this out-of-control lifestyle we need to and I would I remember distinctly saying to her like don't you get it this is what people expect from us this is what this is what our identity is we can't change this is who we are I was so blind to the fact that you create your life I didn't know that there was another way I didn't know anybody that was sober if I met a sober person like at a party or something I would just walk away from them I'd be like you don't boring (laughs) yeah you don't get it man like partying is awesome right but it's not you know one of the things that was my downfall is the hangovers got so bad that I was out of commission for days and I would have shakes and insane anxiety and I couldn't leave the house and just there's nothing glamorous about that and then you say oh I'm not gonna I I need to change I've got to slow down I've got to start I've got to cut back my drinking and stuff and you have the best intentions and then as soon as you feel better again, it's just like, well, where's the party? Like, and I yeah. get right on this thing again. I had no idea that there was a whole other life out there. Just on the other side of that fear of letting go, I used to think, well, if I stop drinking, how am I going to celebrate a birthday? How am I ever going to go on holiday? How am I going to, you know, do, do anything that I do in my life? Yeah. But little did I know that you can do all those things and remember them and be present for them. and be a completely different person the life that I live now was non-existent to me I didn't know it existed so to answer your question of what could I do is to show people that you can be a better person you can do anything you want to do the possibilities are endless whoever you want to be is it's within your control if you're in pain you can get yourself out of it you know I say to people like if you're in pain then congratulations because that's a great place to start when you're in this I was in I couldn't get any lower Like, I'm not going to lie to you, Amy, like, I wanted to end it all. I wanted to drive into oncoming traffic. Um, I just did not want to live anymore. If it wasn't for having a young child that I needed to support, that's how low I was. But I see now that you can use that pain, you know, as a motivator to take the steps that you need to take, right? Yeah. Did you you go into any kind of like facility or like a 12-step program or anything like that? Well, in the, the... of what I call the madness, the eight or nine months of real destruction, towards the end of that, I met a girl in a, in a workout class, and I had a crush on her, and I asked her out, like, we should go for a drink sometime, and she said, well, I don't drink, actually, and I was like, it was like, you know, the record scratch in an 80s movie party, like, Aah! I was like, you don't drink? And she's like, no, I, I, I'm an alcoholic, and I go to AA, and it was like, oh, wow, and I was like, you can be young and, and good-looking and not drink? Like, how is this possible? And I, I said to her, I said, you know, actually, I think that I'm drinking a lot, too. And so she offered, you know, well, if you ever want to go to a meeting or something. And I said uh, the same thing that everybody says, oh, I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready for that. Like, I'm not that bad because there's uh-huh. so much, so much denial. So I said, you know, I'm not ready for that. But if I ever am, I'll let you know. So after my rock bottom weekend, which was very, very bad, I just messaged her and I just said, I think I'm ready now. And she took me to a meeting that night. And it was the first time I had ever, ever said, like, you know, I'm an alcoholic and I sat in a room with other people with the same problem as me. And then we went to multiple meetings. We went to five, six meetings a week. And she really took me that first couple months 
you know, she was integral to being the, that help that I needed, right? And, and that is often the hardest part. And I know it's a generalization, but it's very hard for men to say, I need help. I'm yeah. struggling badly to put out their hand. It was for me and it was for most of the people I work with and most of the people that I know too. Yeah. Um, so yes, I did go to AA. I say this often. I don't, I don't go anymore. I went for about two years regularly. It didn't serve me anymore, but I tell anybody that comes to me for help, the first thing I say is, hey, go check out a meeting because yeah. it can be exactly what some people need. AA showed me that sobriety was possible. Recovery was possible. Where I didn't think it was before, I looked around and I saw these people. Some of them were like me and some were quite different than me. And I was just like, wow, we all have this. We have one thing in common. Right. We all have this problem and we're all here trying to get better. Yeah. So it did, it did, it did help me and I'm very grateful for it, but I found a different path outside of, of AA and there's, there's a, but there's that's a, a, that's a good point though, is that like, you know, cause some people, I feel like they think they have to do the same thing, whatever kind of like healing, you know, um, modality or whatever, like forever. And it's like, yeah. you can just use things as you need them. And you do, as you evolve, which is the point to grow, then you will find the next, you know, the next tier of whatever tactics will, will help to, to help you heal. That is such a great point. And that's what, you know, true recovery is, is, is taking bits of, you know, there are bits of um, the 12 steps of AA are a fantastic, they're, they're, it's almost like a, a program for life. Mm-hmm. Like even outside of alcoholism, it's like, you know, be honest, say your story, take accountability, all of these various things. And there's so much in that that I still use in my daily life. And there's other parts, you know, I threw myself into physical activity. That is a huge part of my, my actual recovery. There's lots of different things. There's books. There's, you know, so many different parts. It's so recovery is so all encompassing that you take what works for you. Yeah. Um, there are people that have been in AA for 30 years and they still go to multiple meetings a week and hey, that works for them. That keeps them sober. And that's exactly what works for them. Some people never step foot in AA or, or any recovery program treatment. And they just, for whatever reason, they put it together themselves, start taking the actions that they need. And that's a beautiful thing. Every Everybody's story is different and everybody's yeah. individual experience is different and unique. And that's so beautiful. And whatever works to get you, you know, one day at a time, Yep. To another day of recovery is it's, it's it's magical. Yeah. Here's an advert in less than 20 seconds. Did you know that Wellness Provisions offers one-on-one wellness sessions? Yep. So if you're seeking to get healthy and ahead in life, but feeling a little stuck, then book a session and let's get you unstuck. Now back to the interview. So mm-hmm. I had asked you like before this, um, like what three things that you have found to be the most like helpful sort of in your area of expertise. Um, mm-hmm. And you had said recovery, empowerment, and just having a safe space. So do you want to kind of expand on those points? Yeah, sure. Um, okay. Recovery, you know, is, as, as we've talked about is just, you know, I, I consider it life recovery. It could be, you know, from an, an addiction, certainly. But it could be out of a out of a divorce. You know, I have two divorces, and as I talked about already, the second one brought me to my lowest point of my life. Coming out of that is recovery. You know, and when I look back on it now, it was the best thing that ever happened. I never thought that I was going to recover from it, but it was the best thing that ever happened now to me. Um, 
because I'm with a partner that I should be with. But I want to say one thing real quick, just because it so pertains to this. And um, so I set intentions every lunar, like every full moon for the next lunar cycle. And my current one is I'm staying grateful for every experience. Mm. So even if it's like something, and this just happened, like something very challenging and that just you feel like shit, then it's like, I remind myself Mm. to be grateful for this. And what I just went through, something really cool ended up coming out of it. So Mm -hmm. I just, yeah. I'm actually glad you brought that up because gratitude is one of the most important factors in a fulfilling life. And to be able to express gratitude, especially when times are tough, to be able to see beyond your immediate struggle to the fact that you're alive, people love you, fortunate enough to have a roof over your head, you wake up in a warm bed, you're you're already ahead of the game. There's so much to be grateful for. Even for your experiences, you know, I'm grateful for, uh, I mentioned earlier, I have no regrets. I'm grateful for everything that happened, all of the bad. Right. Because it all led to now, right exactly. here, right? Yeah. Um, with recovery then, when I started this journey of, of self-awareness, I guess you can say, is the one of the things that I realized is that you must be responsible for everything. You have to take responsibility for your life. And this comes from a deep truthfulness, like becoming honest. And for me, it was the first time. Like, I did this. I got myself in this mess. My actions, you know. Um, One of the things that you know that I talk about a lot is the kind of the backbone of my coaching is just that you are the captain of this ship. And this is your journey through life. But you are the captain. Every day we make hundreds of choices. Like you're the one responsible for them. You know, if there's a storm, it's up to you to grab that wheel and fight it or go the other direction. You know, it's up to you to take charge. Nobody else is coming to save you. And when it comes down to it, you know, you may have support from other places, but you're the captain of this ship that you're on. So taking responsibility for everything was a game changer for me because we all have shitty things that happen to us. Mm -hmm. I mean, no one gets out of this life unscathed. There's trauma. There's, you know, whether it was bullying when you're a kid or all of these things that are out of your control. But the one thing that you can control is how you react to them or how you let them affect you. If you sit in victim mode, then you're always going to make these things be bigger than yourself. And then you can explain away the things in your life like, oh, I couldn't do that because of this happened or, you know, I'm here in this spot because this happened or whatever. But I sometimes say, like, the only thing noble about victimhood is overcoming it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wanting, like making the choice to be solution-oriented. Yes. Wanting better. Like, it's just you have to have the, the true desire to want better and be open to whatever that path looks like to get there. That's right. And the path is, is easy if you blame others for your current circumstances. But all of this was profound to me during this time when I was like, no, no. My my wife left me for a reason. It was because of my actions. Yes, she was at fault for a lot of things too. And it definitely goes both ways. But when I dropped all of my blaming on her or it was like, no, no, this was me. This was me and I did this. And, you know, I always say, you know, I dug this fucking hole. It's up to me to now get myself out of it, right? So 100% responsibility taking for yourself and your circumstances is it's very, it's almost necessary to any change. Yeah. Is that Um, sort of like how you tie in like with like empowerment then? Yeah. I mean, I guess it can go with that too, because, you know, I always say like, are you living a life of default or a life of creation? Amy, you know this, we create this life. 
And so many people go through on a default of like, oh, I get a default job. I have a default salary. I'm in my default relationship and I can't change it. This is the way it is. You know, and then they start making excuses for why they never followed their dreams or their passion or whatever it is. But I guess with the empowerment is, is what I think is just like you built this life brick by brick by brick. Where you are, you constructed these walls, you constructed everything in every circumstance. But because you built it, you can also smash it down. Yep. And you can start again and you can rebuild exactly through a life of creation, the life that you want. And I've done this a couple of times in my life, but it's, it's by realizing that if you never realize that, if you're just on this hamster wheel of default, this, you know, next thing you know, years have gone by and you never did what you wanted to do. You know, I never want to get to the end of this life and look back and be like, you know, I wish I would have done this or I never took a chance or you know, I never left that relationship when I should have or pursued the person that I wanted. Like, what a terrible thing to get to the end or even years from now and be like, now my ship has sailed. Yeah. But if I could go back, I would have done this thing. So this is where the empowerment is, is just like helping people see that they are the captain of their ship and you can live a life of creation. You can create whatever you want to do in this life. It's all within you. Yeah. And what about safe space? I believe I would have said that referencing one of the things that I'm really into recently is just men's issues. So masculinity and what that actually is, right? Because it's very rare, you know, a lot of men, and I'll say this again, I know it's general and people may listen and be like, yeah, well, I know a guy that's not like that or whatever. But in a general sense, men will go their whole lives with a best friend and never talk to their best friend about their mental health or their uh, their true emotions. They could be married for years to somebody they truly love and never be vulnerable to the point of really sharing. So I've kind of, there's a, there's a great man called uh, Jason Wilson that I've been following lately. And I was out for a run in the woods and I was listening to him on a podcast. He deals with a lot of men's issues. And I would highly recommend any men that are listening to this to seek out this guy. He's got a couple books and he's got a great Instagram, Jason Wilson. But I was out for a run and he said, uh, I was listening to a podcast with him and he said, inside every man is a broken boy that needs to be healed. And I like stopped in my tracks. I was just like, oh my God, that is so fucking true. And so the safe space that I'm talking about is, you know, there is a true liberation when you can share your emotions with others and, and men struggle with this. So, but what I, the safe space is just that it's okay for a man and another man to connect in such a way that you don't have to fear being vulnerable. And one thing that I always say in my practice is it's one strong man to another. Yeah. This is where breakthroughs happen because men suppress emotions in, in a general sense, you know, mm -hmm. but you need to master your emotions, not let them master you. So yes, for a man, and I'm big on masculinity and I'm big on, you know, I don't even want to get a, into a discussion about toxic masculinity because I, that, that's a whole other issue, but I believe that you need to be strong when strength is required and compassionate or sensitive when compassion is necessary. So you can be both. Mm -hmm. and, and Jason Wilson calls this a comprehensive man. So that, that would be somebody that's courageous, but compassionate, strong, but sensitive. You know, I think he says a man that can boldly live from his heart instead of his fears. And this shit is very powerful to me because it, it speaks to me and who I have been for all these years. You can break through what you've been through or what your experiences are, but you have to be able to go where the real war is and that's within. Yeah. So the safe space is allowing 
the clients that I've worked with, the men value a space of non-judgment mm-hmm. and, and, and confidentiality. So it's like, this is a safe space where you can share. With. And not only are you sharing with me, but I've been there too. And yeah. you are not alone. Yeah. That's a, such a huge part in all of this is just, you are not alone. I have suffered. You've suffered. The guy out on the street has suffered. Your friends are suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, your parent, your father suffered. Yeah. And what's cool though, is like, when you're like, when you're working with someone or even just, you know, if it's a friendship thing is like, you're, you know, assuming you're consciously aware of, you know, wanting to evolve, you're growing together and like, you're learning Mm. from each other and growing stronger. And like, I don't know, I think that's really cool. It's so powerful to be in that space. And again, it starts with, I mentioned earlier, it starts with real truth and honesty. Here's how I fucked up. Here's how my father hurt me when I was younger and how I've been carrying that now for 30, 40 years and how it's showing those wounds. I'm now either transferring to my own children or to my partner and I'm not giving them the best version of myself because I'm guarded. You know, Mm -hmm. I talk about this. There's a theory about, you know, the masks of masculinity. And yes, this could be for women too, but with masculinity, you know, men, I believe, you know, that throughout life, you start putting on these masks. And you start hiding behind what you should be, you know, what you feel you should be. You can't be weak, can't cry, can't uh, show my emotions because that's not what men do. So you start putting on these masks and eventually the masks become armor. Mm. So you've got this armor out there in the world. And when it comes to, you know, recovery, those masks come off. When you stop drinking or using drugs or, you know, gambling, sex addiction, whatever it is, you're all of a sudden exposed. The thing that the mask that you've been hiding from before I got into recovery and stuff like that, you know, I was 270 pounds. I was a huge man, out of shape, very unhealthy, smoked almost a pack a day, binge drank multiple times a week. My face looked like a giant plate. So the mask was on there and I was smiling through it all, but I was in deep pain through trauma from my childhood, whatever, whatever it is, multiple broken relationships, or just being unable to see a light beyond my current reality. So the mask was on of being this crazy party guy, always in a good mood, always kind of stuff, all these kind of like filling my life with promiscuity or, or drugs or alcohol, whichever it was, just trying to fill this void when deep down I was hurting and removing those masks, exposing myself to the world allowed me, it gave me the opportunity. It was like I said earlier about the pain is a great place to start because it gave me the opportunity to start living a life of creation. Yeah. All of that came from removing the mask. But I just truly believe that there's so much empowerment that can come from just one man sitting and talking to another and sharing vulnerability. And oftentimes it's for the first time ever. And that's powerful. There can be, you know, men have tear ducts too. Yeah, right. Right. You know, when you let out tears, that's emotion being released. Emotion that one of the things I talk about is, you know, with men and emotions, it's like holding a beach ball underwater, right? You can hold it there as long as you like, but as soon as you let go, it just explodes to the surface, right? And that's what will happen because if you suppress emotions, the next thing you know, you're snapping at your wife, you're frustrated with the kids, angry, or at work, you're reacting in angry outbursts, which I did. Yeah. Because I was just suppressing everything. I had mm-hmm. no outlet. So as far as my coaching, I want to be that outlet because what we do is we examine where are you now? Yeah. Where do you want to go? And then how do you get there, right? So it's like, I, th- I believe I've talked to you about the sailboat metaphor. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. 
so that's kind of how I examine things. So the sailboat metaphor is like a little known concept in the world of positive psychology, which I kind of latched onto because as I mentioned earlier, that you are the captain. This is my thing. This is what I drill into my clients. It's because it's very powerful. But when you examine it as this, uh, through the sailboat metaphor, it gives you a chance to look at your current state, where you are right now. So what it is, is it positions you as the captain of a ship, but there is eight different elements that we look at. And this is what we do in the first session of coaching, is we look at this, let's examine these eight elements and how they relate to you know, a sailboat. So for instance, a captain on a ship would have a compass. That's one of the things. So the compass represents your emotion. So just like a captain looks at the compass to see which direction he's going, your emotions will tell you if you're depressed or living in fear or shame, that's a guide that something isn't right. Whereas if you're experiencing joy or true happiness, then that's it. The compass is saying something's going right. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's the steering wheel of the ship. Well, this represents your values. Are you sailing in line with your values? Most adults, we get to this point in our lives, they don't know what the fuck their values are. Totally. I, I did not until yeah. I went to therapy and my therapist asked me this and I was like, I don't know what my values are. Yeah. Once you figure out what your core values are, like five to eight values, you can look at your life and go like, wow, I'm really not living in line with this. And this is probably a cause of some of my unhappiness or like, I see that I'm living in line with this value in my relationship. This is why we're moving forward. And yeah. It's yeah, so like understanding, like understanding your, like the why behind all of your choices. And once you figure that out, then yeah, it's sort of like, yeah, it's like your roadmap and you can. Yes, the map for sure. Well, the map is the, is the eighth element. And that is, you know, if you're sailing, do you have a map? If you don't, how the fuck are you going to get anywhere? <laughs> yeah. You know? And if you do, then you know where you're going. Well, then you can start making a plan of how to actually do that, what you need to do. So that falls under goal setting in the sailboat metaphor, because that is the most. Yeah. You know, if you don't know where you're going, how the fuck are you ever going to get? Yeah. Um, a, a few, I, I won't talk about this for long, but just a few of the other ones are the sails of the boat. Well, these represent your strengths. And just much like values, people don't know what their true strengths are. Are you organized? What are the things people have told you that, hey, you're really good at this. Mm -hmm. But discovering your strengths, then you can see when you... Much like the wind fills the sails of the sailboat to provide momentum, if you're living your life in line with your strengths, this is going to provide momentum for your life, whether it's professionally or in relationships or whichever. So unless you stop and examine what your strengths are, how will the wind ever fill those sails? So there's, there's eight different elements that we look at, and all of them relate to where you are now. It's, it's, it's a meta view. So you zoom yeah. out and be like, okay, here is my life right now. So now that I know this, you know, where do I want to go? Or how does this explain my past? What led to me being like this that I can work on in order to put it behind me so that I can sail forward with purpose, strength, and autonomy? Yeah, working so on processing and releasing things so that you have the space to breathe and move forward. 100%. So it's just important to, sometimes you just need to stop in life and be like, you know, like I, I use the example of sometimes you have to look in the mirror and just say, enough of this shit. I don't want to live like this anymore. Whatever your issue is. In my case, it's generally I work with people that have a drinking problem or a drug problem where it's negatively affecting their relationships, their life. You don't have to live that way. But unless you actually stop, remove yourself 
from it and really take a good look in the mirror and be like, what am I capable of? Where am I not showing up? Where am I not being the best husband, boyfriend? Where am I not being the best father? That's a deep one with people, right? Or employee, whatever it is. Yeah. But you need to stop, start asking yourself some honest questions and answering in an honest way without bravado, Mm -hmm. without ego. You know, let the ego dissipate because the ego has been telling you a story that may not be true for years and years of your life. That's kind of the importance of a real self-analysis. That's what the sailboat metaphor does, but it allows you to start again and start creating the exact life that you desire. It's there for anybody. And, and I'm not unique. What I what I tell say to people all the time is, you know, I'm I'm just a dude. I know I'm no different, I'm no better, I'm no worse than anybody else. And millions of other people have done it too. It's just there's a there's like a, a fear. Everything you ever wanted is on that other side of fear. The yeah. fear keeps you stuck. The fear oh. keeps you in a comfort zone. Huge. Yeah. Right? The comfort zone is, is, of course, it's easy to keep going the way it is and be unfulfilled or whatever. That's the easy part. It's easy to sit on your couch and not do anything. It's easy to be angry at somebody without addressing why or even working on a solution with them. That's, that's all the easy part. But no great change has ever happened by taking the easy road, right? There's a, yeah. You have to step across that line into something that it may be scary as shit. Mm-hmm. It may cause it may be very uncomfortable to when you start looking at yourself and going, oh, man, I'm a fuck up in this area or wow, I've really punished people that I love by my own insecurities or whichever it is. When you come to that, it's like, OK, this is who I am, but that can change. Yeah. And that's it. You can change. Mm-hmm. And another thing I know that you're super into, which is, you know, part of realizing you can change is. PMA and having a good, you know, positive Mm. mental attitude. (sighs) So big. (laughs) So big. Um, What's your two cents on, on PMA and how do you like, yeah, what's it mean to you? You know, that's a saying that's been around the punk rock scene for a long time. I believe Bad Brain came up with that originally, but uh, I follow that through a guy named John Joseph, who I believe you're familiar with as well. uh, Hardcore New Yorker dude, but he's all about positivity and that's what it is. It's just about maintaining. You know, when I talk about, um, because I'm really into positive psychology, which is a form of sort of coaching and everything, but that doesn't mean it's just like everything is positive. Forget about all the bad stuff, only focus on the positive. No, it's about, and positive mental attitude is this too. It's like, you need to acknowledge the bad. If you're not dealing with the bad, then you're not solving anything. You're not figuring anything out. You're just la la la, you know, skipping through a field of sunflowers or something like this but that's not the way life is so but maintaining that positive attitude positive mental attitude pma is goes back to what you something you said at the beginning of just gratitude true gratitude that that you are here you're this unique person in this world with their own experience and maintaining positivity is through you know acknowledging the bad but working towards the better every day not something that you do once a month it's every day you wake up, you know, how can I give gratitude first thing in the morning? What are the steps that I can do to be a good person? It's mm-hmm. about keeping this in the forefront of your mind of just like, can I be a good person? Can I help somebody today? And just maintaining that. And it's, it's a practice like anything else. It's very easy to fall into the negative. It's very easy to start because, you know, I tell my clients a lot that, you know, you can, you can listen to yourself. Listen to the voice in your head, which could say, you know, I'm worthless. I'm not good at this. I suck. 
uh, whatever it is, that's listening to yourself, but you have the ability to talk to yourself. You can talk over that voice and be like, no, instead of thinking I'm worthless or I'm depressed, you could say, I'm feeling worthless today in this moment, but I'm not a worthless person. Or I'm feeling depressed today in this moment, but I'm not depressed because I have so many beautiful things in my life. And so now I'm going to go seek those things out to, yeah. to help me. And, and that's it's separating yourself from that feeling that that does not have to identify you. Absolutely. Because, you know, we're all, I'm, I'm like everybody else. I get down. People think like, oh, you're a, you're a personal development coach or oh, everything must be wonderful. No, no, no. I have all of the same issues that, that you have. Yeah. That my partner has, my kid has, everybody. Life is fucking hard. Uh-huh. We're on this journey and it's not easy. But what defines you is how you deal with the lowest parts, how you deal with it when you're down. Do you pull yourself out of it or not? And that all is under the umbrella of positive mental attitude. And um, it's like a muscle. If you lift weights, the muscle will grow, right? But it's, it's just like that. You have to work on it. Talk to yourself, not listen to yourself when you get down or angry. And again, it goes back to what I was talking about masculinity is just mastering emotions. Yeah. That doesn't mean stuffing them down so that they're non-existent. It's like acknowledging them and then analyzing your problem and then actually taking the steps. It's easy to talk about it. It's easy, yeah. to, it's easy to wish for things. Oh, I wish this would be different. But there are steps that you can take and you need to follow through with them. This is where working with a coach can really hold you accountable. Yeah. But also time. show you what's possible, right? Like, you know this. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so another, um, I guess something that you do is, I don't know what you call them, like ultra marathon things. <laughs> and that really challenges your, your mental fortitude. Yeah. So before I stopped drinking, when I was a mess, I started realizing, like I said, I was very heavy. I was very out of shape. And I just started like one day I was like, I'm just going to go down to the track. I think I wore my Chuck Taylors. I didn't have running shoes. Um, I was like, I need to do, I need to start doing something to just feel better so I went down to the track I think I barely made it around two times and was like I'm but I felt great I was like oh my god I actually accomplished something it wasn't big but I got myself out and I went I picked up the pace a little bit around the track and came back so that kind of started this running thing so when I did stop drinking and everything I kind of was like I needed an outlet like I needed something and I believe I posted about this on Instagram a while back too, of just like, I used to talk about things all the time. I used to be like drunken at the bar with my buddy, you know, like, oh man, we need, I want to hike. Like we, I live in Vancouver. It's most beautiful. We're surrounded by incredible mountains. It's all right there. And we'd make these drunken plans of like, oh I, yeah, bro, eight o'clock tomorrow morning. I'm, I'm serious. Are you serious? And Oh yeah. And so you'd make all these plans. Never would fucking happen. I'd yeah. be deathly hungover and, for, for years, so you wanted to do things, never happened. So when I stopped drinking, I was like, I needed an outlet. I'm like, well, now I'm not hungover. I need something to occupy this time and also deal with my, my mental issues that were going on of just this new reality of like, am I going to drink again? Am I not? Well, I'm not right now. So here's what I need to do. So anyway, I started running and then I said, you know, I was 38 when I stopped drinking. <clears throat> and I said, you know, when I turn 40, I want to run a marathon. So I started training for that. And I did it. It was brutal took a long time. But then I was like, well, if I did that, then could I go further? And then this led to discovering, you know, I started running trail running, which is for me, it's the most flow inducing activity. It's human being runs through the woods. It's like primal. It's like caveman shit, right? It's nothing, yeah. 
it doesn't need a bunch of equipment or a league or organization. It's, it's an individual thing, right? And it helped me get my thoughts together. It helped me lead me towards down a more spiritual path because it's just fucking magical out there in this beautiful spots that you, your own legs carried you to. So then it became how much further could I go? So I started doing these ultramarathons. An ultramarathon is anything 50 kilometers or more. So I believe that's around 31 or 32 miles for all you yanks out there. <laughs> Uh, um, it's, it's, it's longer than a marathon. Yeah. And so I just started doing them. They take so much out of you. There's so much training. People say like, oh, it's so brave to do this. I'm like, no, no, doing the race isn't brave. That's the celebration. The bravery is the months previous getting up at five in the morning, going out and spending all that time putting yourself through physical pain, mental suffering. That, that's the real bravery part, but it does something to me. Yeah, I just finished on Sunday, did uh, my, la my last one. First one I did in two years. It was absolutely brutal. Pouring rain, mud, cold, over 2,000 meters of elevation. Um, I was questioning the whole time, why am I doing this? Why am I out here on this day? You know, this one took seven hours and 28 minutes. My longest one was 50 miles, and that took 14 hours and 22 minutes. That's a long fucking day That's in the mountains. Insane suffering but i always say that it's suffering in beautiful places which is really what i get out of it and there's something about setting a huge monstrous goal working towards it and then accomplishing it right like it's it does something to you it's the concept of self-efficacy which is different than self-confidence self-efficacy is you know your belief that you can do the things that you set out to so yeah this increases with as i said i went around the track twice that time but then it's like if i could go twice can i go three times if yep. I can do a 10K, can I do a half marathon? Yeah. Which is 21. Just, yeah. And you just get so much pride. And I mean, it's just more fuel to the fire that just keeps motivating you and pushing you towards self-betterment and all the many, you know, forms that looks like. Yeah. And again, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, I'm not a runner. When I tell people, oh, I do these ultra marathons, they envision, you know, me like sprinting through the forest and coming in first place and I'm like oh no 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 I I huff and puff and I kick rocks and I'm mad at myself and I walk and I do all this kind of stuff and my times that I get are average at best there are people that are extremely good at this I'm not one of them but what I do is I finish I say I say do what I say that I'm going to do and that requires a huge level of suffering and a huge level of dedication to actually get myself to that point right so yeah. but it Anybody can do it. The goals can be accomplished if they're realistic. You don't know what you're capable of, Amy, until you actually start doing it. You're capable of incredible things in this life. Yeah. Hey, so what is your, I love asking everybody this question. Okay. What is your favorite quote? You have one, your most favorite quote. This is tough because there's a lot. Um, Only get one, make it count. Well, one thing that I do always think about, and it kind of encompasses somewhat all that we've talked about so far, is the only way out is through. And what this is, it was kind of a throwaway line out of a poem by a dude named Robert Frost, but people have somewhat latched onto it, and I have too. So what this means is, you know, if you're struggling or, you know, at a very low point, and it could be a recent event or something you've been dealing with for years, right, you could think like, oh, fuck, this sucks. You know, I don't want to go through this. I want to look for a way around. I want to go over it, under it, whatever it is. 
anything they're actually doing with it. And this could be through people say, you know, wake me up when this is over kind of thing, right? But there's this thing in front of you, you need to go through it to get to the other side. If you choose to, you can try to avoid all that pain, which is something that we've talked about. I did this for so many years with, with drinking or whatever. You could do it through drinking, drugs, lying, cheating, stealing, sleeping around, eating like shit, social media. It's all avoidance, right? But you can do all those things. Sooner or later, that grief that you're avoiding is going to show up in your life. It could be through a meltdown, could be through a painful divorce, all of these different things. You must do the work if you want to be free from whatever it is that's holding you down. And it's the only way. The only way around is through. Yeah, I love it. I mean, mm -hmm. I love that also. I think it's awesome. Have you heard that before? Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's powerful. It's good. I mean, and it's the truth. Do you have anything like cool coming up or coming out that you want to share on and tell people about? I guess I would just direct people to my website, which is uh, www.gallant-coaching.com. On there, you'll find there's a video that I've done, and that really does explain, it's somewhat of a, a short presentation about what the sailboat metaphor is and how you can apply it to your life right away. So it provides you value by even just going there for free. So I would invite people to definitely check that out. Um, I'm writing a thing about masculinity, which is some of the things that we talked about earlier that I'm hopefully going to put on there as a PDF as well. Just go to the website. It's got everything that I do on there, as well as my Instagram, best place to go. And please get in touch. I love hearing from people and love talking to people. And that's how we, that's how we ended up on this conversation together. Yeah, I know. It's so rad. It's awesome. There's so many good things about social media. If you focus on the positive, but that's a whole other rabbit hole. I'll sum it up with, you know, they say that you're the, the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. If you want to be better, if you want to, you got to examine who you're spending time with. And, you know, that's what the social media has allowed us to do is to find people on the same wavelength, whether it's in North Carolina or Vancouver, BC, or everywhere in between. And there's a lot in between those two spots. We're yeah. <laughs> on opposite sides of North America. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good mic drop right there. For sure. <laughs> Some of the five people you hang around with. So listeners, right. evaluate who your company is that you're keeping mm -hmm. and then reach out to Zan if you want some self-betterment. And uh, yeah, dude, thank you so much for making time and chatting and sharing like um, just massive wealth of advice and suggestions and things to think about. And it's been amazing. Thank you. Well, thank you. It was my honor. I'm, I'm glad that we've connected. You know, I feel, uh, I feel like I've known you for a very long time, even though yeah. it's been a short while, but I, I'm a supporter of yours as well. I'm really happy for that. You even got this podcast that allows me to, to speak to you on it. So thank you very much. I'm so tired.